Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello? Look, I'm going to level with you. I have my own things to deal with. After all, we are about to crap a lovely landing. The Orphans, an original cinematic audio drama, is now available. And now, The Orphans Facility, an exciting new prequel series. Catch up with Season 1 with new episodes of Facility coming bi-weekly. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here with another episode of Flame On. I am joined today by Senor Eric. Hello. Senor BJ. Hola. And Senor Brian. Hello. And we are here to do a microsode just for you. Yes, you, dear listener. Just you. We can no see one you. Else. No one else is hearing this. Just you. I swear. It is the month of December, and in the tradition of taking things away from people in need, just like those PlayStation 5s being ripped right out of Santa's sack for those children who want it but cannot get it, we are here to talk about shows that were ripped away from us before their time. Now, everybody in the geek fandom has heard about the cries from... The fans to bring back shows like Firefly, which people said ended way too soon, not without uh, some network obstruction and just doing their best to just make it not work. It became a cult (laughs) classic and was revived for a film, a movie. Back in the years ago, I don't even want to know how many years ago Serenity was, because it's just going to make me feel really old right now. I want to say 2005 or 2006. Oh, stop it. Just stop. Stop. Stop it. 
Wait, wait. I have, I have a sound for that. <sighs> there you go. I'm glad I don't have to do that again. Oh, <laughs> uh, but we are here to talk about uh, uh, about shows that we felt should have gone on longer, but did not. Either they were uh, canceled before they could complete their natural run or shows that maybe did have a finish because the uh, production team was given the heads up that they were going to be uh, wrapping up or or would not be able to continue on past the uh, the season that they were producing. So when BJ brought this topic up, I thought it was pretty cool because we all have that show that we're like, damn, I wish there was more of it. And when you sit there and you can watch, you know, the one season or two seasons and and just enjoy it still and go, I would have loved to have seen where this would have gone. And I just remembered another one that totally could be my topic today, starring the same person who's in the show <laughs> that I'm going to be talking about today. So uh, with that being said, let's kick it off. Uh, Eric, why don't you... Tell us what your show is that you wish would have continued on longer than it did. So, Marvel movies have done a lot great, but when it comes to their TV shows, it's been kind of hit or miss. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. got a long run, um, and I feel it was... I mean, are they doing their last season now? Uh, it's already... It They finished. It's up on Netflix already. Gotcha. Um, so they were able to kind of run out and probably lasted a little longer than they should have. Um, but the show that I wish had gotten more seasons is Agent Carter. Uh, because Thank uh, you. Haley Atwell is phenomenal as Peggy Carter. Um, so that plus it being a period piece, which is always nice. Um, and just getting to see the beginnings of S.H.I.E.L.D. and what was going on back after World War II. Uh, it was just beautifully done. Again, Haley was amazing. Uh, and I feel the second season, they were able to end the season arc, but the overarching story, I feel like they set up a couple things that um, were a little cliffhangery at the end there. Well, we probably we probably want to go ahead and say spoiler alert before for all the shows we're about to talk about because we're probably going to have to talk about their ending. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like most of us are picking older shows that people should have seen by now. But sure. um So, at the end of the second season, she has a love interest. Um not that she's forgotten about Cap, but She's kind of moved on at that point. But in the movies, at Endgame, Cap goes back. So it'd be interesting to see how does that line up? Like, what year does she, does he reappear? Does Sousa just get kicked to the side? What happened? There was, so there was that. Actually, and you need to watch, the last season of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of touches on that a bit. Um... But there, it would be interesting because uh, not only did they have the whole thing with her and Sousa up in the air, uh, they had hinted a lot in season one and two about the um, the the uh, the Red Room program um, yeah. that 
eventually Natasha comes from, Black Widow, because there was a... I loved how they did this, too, because they had that one agent in the first season who literally had the exact same fight style as Natasha in the movies, and I thought that was, like, a perfect way to kind of build on the movies. Um... It just added it added more layer. Like you, they really hadn't said anything about the Red Room uh, program in the movies, other than like you know they they make all their agents infertile, so you don't know how long that program has actually been going on in Russia. So I felt like that was a really cool thing, but they really didn't. She was kind of a recurring antagonist. So it would have been cool to see where her storyline went, uh, and then not to mention the murder of her boss. Uh, right. Like right at the end, and then they were supposed to introduce her brother, also who was like an MI five agent. Yeah, it was rumored that the third season was going to happen in London, which would have been neat as well. Oh, nice. Um, and the storyline from the second season with the dark matter, dark force, whatever, did that ever pay off in Shield at all? I didn't watch the last couple seasons of Shield. A little bit. Uh, they they mention. They mention it in, I want to say, the next to last season. Uh, they touch on it actually a lot. Um, they don't really give a really good explanation for it. It's just more of like, oh, that's what that thing is. Um, which is a lot of the last two seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. You're, uh, I want to say the second season of Agent Carter, you definitely is a bit more cohesive to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but... It's it's in, it's super interesting because I feel like the Marvel TV stuff definitely did period stuff better than like their modern stuff. I don't, and I don't know if that's just because when you rely on technology and as, from a narrative standpoint, it's kind of hard to make certain problems like a problem, like communication and and bits and things like that. But when you when you have it take place and like was what what where did it take place the 60s or oh no the 50s right yeah the 50s it was right after world war Two. exactly so when you have it take place in, when you have a story like this take place in the 50s you can come up with like imaginative ways that aren't like oh i pushed a button oh i rewired this thing oh i i dumped my, my phasers power into the command console so i could get power back to the bridge um voyager um <laughs> You know, just little things like that. The final season of S.H.I.E.L.D. still did stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially no, when that, Fitz that, finally that, shows up. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what I mean, is, is yeah. with Agent Carter, you you don't ha- you really don't have that option unless you start to really get into more sci-fi territory, which is something I appreciated because Agent Carter, to me, the writing, you had to really have those characters pop a lot more because it's a period it's more of a period piece and it's a period piece from the from the point of view of a woman in the 50s. So, you know, you can't really have the same the same people giving her the same problems all the time, you know, otherwise it becomes too sitcommy. So, I just love the development of the the develop uh, cuz we already knew who Peggy Carter was um from the movies, from the first Captain America movie. So they didn't really have to develop her more. It was more developing the world around her, and I, I literally loved all of the side characters in Agent Carter. I don't think there was a single side character that I was like, I could do with less of them. I think almost every single character I wanted more of. For sure, and honestly, 
to tie the that the fact that they tied at least part of it back in with the final season of Shield. Uh, Eric, where did you leave off with Shield, or did you not get into it much at all? Um, what was it? They were they were in the alternate universe fighting the the doubles or the, the in the framework. Okay, so you're back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You're um, not you're not super far back. You're a little far back, but you're not super far back. If you were so inclined, and you almost don't have to, well, I mean, kind of do, but season six and seven of Shield, I think, were probably some of the strongest that they put out. Aside from, eh, probably some of the strongest that they put out, because even at the beginning, it was still a little. A little hand wavy and a little okay. We're gonna shoehorn this all in to make it work and you know try try to push this. The only other kind of storylines that I think were really strong during their entire run were uh, a lot of the Mockingbird stuff, and I'm really sad that Mockingbird um, in that iteration won't continue on uh, oh, because yeah. of the same token. You know, we talk about these you know Marvel shows that were part of Marvel TV, which no longer exist now. It's all kind of folded into the umbrella of uh, Kevin Feige and the MCU and now Marvel, you know, studios doing the television stuff, which I am super excited. We are a little over a month away from WandaVision and I'm stoked to see what that's going to do. And and I'm so excited for it. But just like Agent Carter, we had our Netflix shows where not all of them were astounding and amazing but you had stuff like Daredevil that was great. You had Jessica Jones um, and even Luke Cage, which I would love to see some of this stuff get wrapped back in in some way, shape, or form. And I do love that Peggy got incorporated into more things, not just, you know, her initial interaction and then the, the series and then kind of, you know, left to her own devices at that point. But, you know, she was in Ant-Man, you know, getting her happy ending in Endgame, that kind of stuff. So... I, I do enjoy that, and I did love the fact that they played with Sousa a bit more, um, oh, partially yeah. because I enjoy the actor, and that'll tie into my show um, when we get around to it, because the <laughs> actor who played uh, Sousa was in the show I'm going to talk about. Any comments or thoughts you want to you add in, Brian, on the topic of Agent Carter? I love the show, but I actually didn't watch the third season. <laughs> I really, well, I, I don't know what. Season. There was another season. Oh, then I guess <laughs> I didn't watch the third the season. season. Gosh. <laughs> well, whatever the last part was, I just don't remember. Like, and we were talking about it a little bit, and I just don't remember that either. So I don't know if I just didn't finish. I guess that's what it was. I didn't finish the second season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad her story had a kind of ending. Um, but yeah, it was good. I loved the show. I mean, I loved the S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter. Um so yeah, no, that's all I have. All right. Any final bows you want to put on Agent Carter before we put her show to rest one more time? No, just watch it if you have. It is available on Disney Plus, right? I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. All right. Very good. So Eric's pick for a show that ended too soon is Marvel's Agent Carter. Go stream it. Go check it out. It was a uh, it was a fun show, and I did uh, I did enjoy the uh the black widow esque ness of uh of uh, her rival there all right brian why don't you take it away with 
your pick for a show that ended too soon in your opinion oh my gosh you guys have like thrown me for a curve I, i'm sitting here like i had some picks i had some you know i liked uh, like stargate universe didn't end with a, a you know unexpectedly ended didn't finish their story uh, uh uh hannibal uh even though the ending that they did get is you know pretty interesting and i like but um you know that could have kept going and i would have been thrilled uh, Eric, before we started recording, threw out The Middleman, which, oh my god, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite shows that no one's heard of. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're doing this on Zoom, but you can't see it. So uh, I'm holding up my own copy here of the, because uh, it's from a comic book, and uh, it's a delightful comic book. Uh, you can still find it, I'm sure, out there in the digital world. Uh, Javier Grillo, uh, oh god, I can never say his last name, Marsush. Uh, is a fantastic writer who's gone on to doing a lot of TV. And so uh, it, it is his baby and it is a fantastic baby uh, indeed. Um, but I, I, and I, oh, and I reached out to our, we have a spoilers here. We have a discord server now, uh, which you'll be finding more about, I think soon. Uh, and I put out a call on there. I said, well, what, what do you guys think? Tell me what your favorite, you know, shows that ended before their time were. And oh my God, like, you know, <laughs> uh, another reminder of a show that I'm going to talk about here, I swear, uh, that I should have thought of immediately uh, from our friend John up in uh, Charlotte, or over in Charlotte now. I don't know. I can't do directions. But, um, uh, and a Deadly Class from our friend um, uh, Matt Aww. up in Canada. Uh, so, just so many good shows. But, but, if I have to pick one, which I guess I kind of didn't, because I kind of said a bunch, <laughs> but you know, you know what I'm saying. If we I had to that, pick one. We, we call that pulling a pat. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, I've been accused of worse. So uh, it would be uh, Pushing Daisies because uh, Brian Fuller, who you probably have heard of him or seen his work, uh, Hannibal being probably his most successful TV show, I think. Um, Didn't he work on the first two seasons of Heroes? He did work on it. Yeah, I believe so. But... Uh, as one of many producers, like it wasn't his show, like he wasn't uh, showrunner. So, Pushing Daisies, uh, Hannibal, uh, uh, Wonderfalls, um, Star Trek Discovery before he left. Oh, I know that's and that's another good entry, honestly. <laughs> so, there's so many. Uh, but yeah, Brian Fuller. Um, oh, and uh, Dead Like Me. He actually started Dead Like Me and then again Aww. walked away very quickly. Um, yep. and that's another show. Um, God, there's so many. Uh, yeah. So back to the point. Pushing Daisies. If you have not seen it, you have two seasons. I think they're like half seasons, uh, I think. Maybe one of them is a little more full, but uh, they didn't get the back nine for the second season. I was just reading a thing about this. And it is a delightfully beautiful fairy tale. Uh, Fuller likes to paint in bold colors, whether they're bright pastels and 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 hues of like warmth and love and and pushing daisies or they're like blood and guts and darkness in Hannibal. It's it's um, weird. It's it's almost like he's you look at pushing daisies and pushing daisies almost feels like the closest thing on television I've seen to a Tim Burton-esque yes. sort of sort of like cinematography and feel. Do you know what a, that is? That's what it, so Barry Levinson uh, who has done The Addams Family, uh, uh, Men in Black. So Barry Levinson was heavily involved in Pushing Daisies and has, uh, I believe, either influenced Tim Burton or worked with Tim Burton outright. I don't remember what project they did together. But but yeah, 
Barry Levinson is that voice, is that style that you're seeing. Okay. And, and so anyway, Fuller knows some, how to. I also see some Wes Anderson in it too, as far as. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, the bright colors, uh, for, to be sure. And, and it is an odd series. And this is probably why. So there's two reasons it didn't succeed. One, it's an odd series. It's got a fantastic cast that I'll talk about in a second. But it was actually a victim of the writer's strike. Uh, yep. If you don't remember, there was this whole big writer's strike back in the, what was it, 2010s or early, late 20 aughts? I don't know. 2000, 2008. Perfect. Yep. Thank you. So uh, the writer's strike... Uh, because writers needed a better deal on their contracts, they basically walked off many all their projects, anyone who was unionized, and it shut down production for many, many shows. Uh, ones that were a more obvious success, uh, they came back fine, eventually. Uh, it did give rise to a lot of reality TV at the time, and oh my god, we still haven't recovered, but whatever. Uh, it also killed shows that were on the margins and just didn't quite make it. And again, because the voice is so unique... And the story was a little off center. I think people just didn't have a chance to really grow into it. Um, but it was on ABC. Um, I'm guessing it's still out there on the streams. Um, it's about Chuck and Ned. Uh, principally, Chuck is uh, a, a young woman who dies. Uh, and I'm trying to find who played her. But it's somebody you definitely are familiar with. Um, it's Ned not is one of the it it totally <laughs> looks like a Deschanel, but she's That's she's it. not. I, I was gonna joke and say that it was Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> um, and 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 uh, and, and so, so she dies, and 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 is kind of brought back to life, uh, through happenstance with this character of Ned. And Ned is pie maker. They make a big point about his pie shop and how he's a pie maker, and that's some of the fairy tale elements that come in. But also, he has this magical power that he just can bring people back uh, from the dead when he touches them uh, once. And then after he touches them once, they're alive for a certain period of time until he touches them again, and then they die again for forever. Uh, and so he touches uh, Chuck, brings her back to life, uh, and I think quickly realizes that he l- likes her, that there's a thing. She doesn't want to die. She doesn't want to be dead again. So he has to then never touch her like directly ever again, kind of the rogue problem right um not not well, that rogue would kill people but you know you can't touch right but, but well there's also, there's also there's the caveat of what happens if he doesn't touch them again they start to fall apart i think right no it's, it's no a, it's after a minute i think it was a after minute. yeah it was i think yeah i think it's like it's 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 a weird it's like an odd number it's like a minute and like 13 seconds or something i can't remember the reasoning behind it but there is like a mythos behind like the reason but if he doesn't touch them again, somebody else in the vicinity dies. That's what it is. That's yeah. right. So there's yeah. a price. There's a price. There's so a price I, for leaving them alive. I want to I wanna amend a statement I made. It is not Barry Levinson. It is Barry Sonnenfeld. <laughs> One of the other famous Barrys in, in TV and movies. Uh, and um, the uh, actress is Anna Friel. Who oh, wow. I know has been in other things, but I could not for the life of me tell you, you know what, so... Um, I'm also trying to figure out what um, Barry Sonnenfeld did, if he did anything with um, uh, with what's his name, but I can't figure that out. So that's fine. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. And and okay, so so we're giving you the the basics, right? There is such a beautiful cast in this this uh, this piece, uh, this show. Uh, probably of all of the characters, the one that steals the show for me is Kristen Chenoweth, which if you're a fan of Wicked from Broadway. 
or uh, what else has she been in? She was in uh, Good You're Christian Good Man, Bitches. Charlie Brown. Oh, I mean, oh god, you just mentioned a show. <laughs> We're gonna have to do this as like a two parter. I know that's like, another show, right? As soon as you mention the writer's strike, mine just changed. So, <laughs> um, Pat, who did you say? Uh, she was think... in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Yep. That's the, right. Uh, yes. The musical. She yeah. was also in Candide. Candide, of course. Um, and then what was the? Uh, she was in American Gods as uh, what was she? Oh, Austria. Easter. Aust- right? Easter. Yeah. Austria. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so you know Kristen Chenoweth. You've undoubtedly, if you're if you're a gay person listening to the show, you know who she is, right? We don't have to explain. Her. But so she steals and the show. You, as- and if you haven't heard her sing, go listen to Taylor the Latte Boy. That's all oh. I'm saying. Or or glitter and be gay from uh, Candide, which was a special uh, uh, sort of production they did at the time, and it's so amazing. But yeah, uh, so there's so many more people too. But uh, Kristen Chenoweth plays Olive, who's this sort of at first sort of rival for Chuck, I think a little bit. Uh, definitely has a, her uh, hang up on Ned at one point, uh, but but gets to kind of have her own life throughout the story uh, and grow. Uh, Chi McBride. Uh, I forgot his character's name. Um, uh, Emerson. Emerson Codd. Uh, a private investigator. I love uh, Emerson. <laughs> he gets his own kind of cool storyline. The ants. Chuck's ants. Uh, Swoozy Kurtz and... Uh, um, oh, Ellen Green. Sure, who's the Ellen Green, yes. Uh, fantastic actresses uh, from Broadway and other... And they get featured in that show as these fantastic and bizarre ants. Here's the thing, though. When it died... They absolutely did not expect it to die. They they thought they were going to get their back nine, you know, what again, writer strike related. And so the last three episodes are actually side character episodes about Olive Emerson and the ants. And so they really don't get to do anything to resolve uh, Chuck and Ned's love story. And it's a love story. They do fall in love. Spoilers. But again, they have to love each other sort of at a distance, though they do get creative and find ways to, you know, work around that. Uh, well, but it's... it's- it's and it's super cu- it's super cute because like there's just it's one of the few things I've ever seen where I'm like this is real romance because like they they can't really be physical but it, that's not really the focus it's like every time he does something nice for her or something she really wants to express it but she doesn't want to like she wouldn't want to die again but there's just this cute moment where she takes out like a sheet of uh, plastic wrap for one of the pies and like kisses him through it and it's just this quick little cute moment and i'm like oh i'm feeling feelings i feel like this is cute it's 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 a a a fairy tale for sure stylistically there's a narrator it's 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 very over the top uh narrated by jim dale actually uh who i know the name but i cannot think of what else he's done um gosh it's it's funny it's a fun show Uh, random other cameos i think Wee herman shows up at one point yep uh, as like another rival, uh, a lot of like random cameos in, in the grand tradition of television who you go, oh, I know so-and-so. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a great show. Uh, beautiful music. I do want to say my favorite moment in that show probably has to be the sing-along that they do or the the, the spontaneous musical number that they do oh, yeah. to uh, They Might Be Giant's Birdhouse in Your Soul, which you've probably heard it. Again, you're probably geeky and gay, so you, you should know this song too, but uh it's a very special song in my life and it's uh it means a lot and it's also just beautifully realized there uh by i think it was uh ned and olive singing it but um yeah oh so beautiful and it's just uh, it's a great show they said they're gonna make a comic book i know they did like a 
like a quick little thing. I don't think it ever actually was fully fleshed out as a real ongoing comic. Uh, and then, of course, the actors, a lot of Fuller's projects that get ended early, which a lot of them do, uh, the actors, and, and they love working with him, and they all seem to kind of stay in touch. And every so often, you'll hear Hannibal actors talk about bringing Hannibal back, or you'll hear um, Pushing Daisies actors talk about bringing uh, Pushing Daisies back. So you never know in this day and age, if some of you go out and rediscover it, and word gets out, it could come back. We just, you know, it's 2020, anything can happen. So, I know everybody here loves the show. I'm surprised you didn't talk more about Lee Pace. Like you didn't even mention him by name uh, as far as <laughs> who it was. I, I got so caught up in everybody else that you're right. Uh, and and longtime listeners of the show, you've probably heard me talk about Lee Pace. Uh, I bit, I have a bit of a man crush on him. I mean, it's not, not even a man crush. I think he's adorable. I You know, whatever. He's not my type necessarily, but um, when he came out, I mean, he's now out as a, as a I think at least a, a bi. I think he's, I think he's more, I think he's gay, but whatever. Doesn't matter what his sexuality is. Uh, he's still adorable. Every project he's been in, especially the fall. Oh, we could talk about that for hours, but um, lovely pace. Lo- love him. I think his Marvel stuff is to me the least, uh, least useful for me because he's hidden his, his beautiful, geeky uh boyish visage is high hidden in so much makeup and it just uh, it ruins it for me but uh yeah you know you're right thank you pat lee pace is uh is a golden god and yeah <laughs> i was gonna say the same thing about christopher eccleston and his tenure in the uh the mcu i don't think boyish visage is the uh proper uh verbiage for christopher eccleston's face but yeah, yeah what I, would I be um uh, 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 Mad TV esque, or not Mad TV, Mad Magazine, uh, Charles E. Newman esque. I don't know, whatever Eccleston's face is, but yeah, <laughs> it's adorable. Uh, I have, I have an odd crush should. on Christopher Eccleston. I don't know. Yeah, something about but, him. Well, he's the first. He's your first doctor. You, all, the, you always get a crush on your first. Doctor. Is it the ears? It might be the ears. <laughs> I have yeah. realized that I do have a thing for ears that stick out. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> but anywho. Yeah, Pushing Daisies was definitely a, uh, it it was something that I I didn't know about when it was on the air. Uh, Brian introduced it to me, and um, I definitely enjoyed the show. And it was one of the things that before we started recording, I had brought up, which I'm glad that it became, you know, a topic for us to all talk about, because it really was such a great show. And um, I forgot that it was a victim of the writer's strike. And if you have a chance to watch it, I I definitely recommend... uh, taking a little bit of time because it's a season and a half of, of TV. Uh, watch it and just have a, a lovely afternoon, you know, binge of, uh, of, of good quality, wholesome television. Uh, Eric, what you got to uh, add on to the Pushing Daisies discussion? Um, just that it was a beautiful show. Like, I mean, I remember the aesthetic more than the storylines right now just because it's been so long since I've watched the show. I mean, I the characters were all brilliantly done, but it's just the aesthetic of the pie hole and all that. Uh, yeah. That for was sure. literally the name of his pie shop, just for clear. Yeah. Just to clear, <laughs> his pie hole could be taken other ways. Uh, I remember his pie hole so well. <laughs> Another one that came up from the Discord is our friend Alex, uh, down in uh, Nola, and he uh, he mentioned and reminded me of Caprica, another freaking show that uh, didn't oh my God. had an ignomious death uh, after being this 
interesting idea of a Battlestar Galactica, the rebooted uh, prequel. Uh, it, it made it like, yeah, a season and then died on the vine. So uh, this is, like you said, BJ, they could totally do another iteration of this i think we've actually done this topic a long time ago and it's it's like oddly like tickling neurons in my in the back of my long-term memory and i'm like this feels like we've done this but uh hey we could do it again and Uh, i'll have forgotten about it by then too (laughs) honestly i feel like i feel like this needs to be a series because this is very cathartic for me right now and it's just reminding me it's cathartic but it's also hurting me especially when i get to my topic because it, but it was painful, my, my topic. Well, speaking of that, so that was Pushing Daisies. That was Brian's choice for uh, after the 17 other ones, after he pulled a, uh, a massive pat and picked 17 <laughs> other shows before getting to his topic. It's all right. I, I, I only have like two that I'm going to say before, uh, before my topic, so I'll only pull a minor pat today. Uh, but BJ, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your choice is for a show that ended too soon, in your opinion. So, I had to rack my brain on this because, so, a trend that we're we're starting to notice is, you know, we're kind of in this age of reboots, um, or remake, we got reboots and we got remakes coming left and right, um, and some have been really, really good, like She-Ra, um, and Animaniacs so far has been actually very entertaining, um, so I was kind of racking my brain, and originally I was going to go with Star vs. the Forces of Evil, um, but then Brian mentioned possibly the most painful television moment of my life, and that was the writer's strike. And I have to talk about C- the CW's second lesser-known uh, sci-fi fantasy series, Reaper. Oh, oh. Another one. Oh, my God. Reaper. <laughs> when I tell you, as soon as, Brian, as soon as you mentioned the writer's strike, it... It literally hit me like a car, and I was I was brought back to to Reaper. And for those of you uh, back when the CW started, Supernatural was its literally only fantasy series. Um, everything uh, CW had was like they had a remake of Melrose Place, nine hundred two one zero, a couple of dramedies. Um, they hadn't even touched Arrow yet. Like it was just a weird. It was a weird TV network. Um, and then they came out with Reaper, uh, which is about a guy named Sam Oliver, and on his 21st birthday, he finds out that his parents sold his soul to the devil, um, somehow, and, uh, Ray Wise, um, who has been in literally everything, he was in Batman the Killing Joke as, um, Commissioner Gordon, he was uh, in Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Oh my god! Yeah, he was in Twin Peaks. Um, he was in Sabrina, uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, as Enoch the Demon. Um, yeah, he's been in everything. Um, so feel free to give him a Google. Um, but Tyler Ray Wise plays Tyler Labine. <laughs> yes, this show introduced <laughs> me to Tyler Labine, and let me tell oh. you, that was a sexual awakening for me in college. I'm not even gonna lie. 2007 was my year of the bear because when I saw Tyler the Bee and I was like, well, that's it. That's the thing. That's what I like. Um, yeah, uh, Tyler the Bee. And then Rick Gonzalez, um, who was also, he played a, a wild dog in Arrow. Um, and he's been in just about everything, uh, uh, under the sun as well. 
Um, and then also just a little trivia thing, uh, Missy, uh, Peregrim, who's the love interest of the series, she was the dancing white girl in Missy Elliott's, um, uh, one of Missy Elliott's music videos. Uh, which one was that? It was, I, um, it's gonna drive me crazy. Was it, uh, Work It? Yes. Yes. Yeah, because Missy brought her out, um, it was like a year or two ago when it was like the... The anniversary of one of like the MTV Awards as an adult, and she came out and did did the yeah. same dance and all she that. She did the whole dance. That's right. Um, but she's been in. She's been in a whole. She's uh, she was in Van Helsing. She's been in like the the alumni for the show is absolutely ridiculous, and it is a huge. Um, Michael Ian Black, and, Michael Ian Black, and uh, right. uh, what was it? Uh, Ken Mar- Marino. They play a gay couple that are demons. Um, the, 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 uh, one of them dies and becomes the gay dead, gay dead demon Steve. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's got, and so pretty much you just fall around this poor soul, Sam Oliver, and his job the devil gives him is that he has to collect souls that have escaped from hell. And it's very episodic in its first season. He, uh, he gets a vessel to trap them. His first vessel is the vacuum cleaner. Uh, like a, a dirt devil, um, the puns are everywhere. the 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 visual comedy puns are just about I can't even I lost track of them. Um, there's a deeper lore behind the story with whatever deal his parents had with the devil. Um, you never see the devil and his parents interact, um, which is a really I rewatched the series I think a couple years ago, and that was something I really noticed that I wish. I really wish it panned out. Um, but no, it's, it was hilarious. Um, the, the souls are kind of like a creature of the week sort of thing. And, uh, the way Ray Wise kind of explains their, like why they have the powers that they have is because of this. Um, and it hurt so bad because the second season they, so when the writer's strike happened in the middle of the first season, and they were building up to a story with some sort of love interest or something. And that literally got thrown out the window when the writer strike ended. So it was one of those shows that actually I don't think it ended because of the writer strike. Just the writer strike just put a big dent in its first season. Um, and... The second season came around and they developed more plot. You had uh, the introduction of demons trying to reclaim their uh, become angels again. And it was really the first. It was honestly, you could have viewed this as a sort of proto uh, good place almost. Because it's really about uh, a lot of a lot of the themes in the series atonement, uh, trying to do the right thing, even though it really fucking sucks. Um, you know, just a lot of those things where you have a lot of, a lot of good characters getting caught in the crossfire. It was, it was way ahead of its time. I really think something like that would have flourished now. Um, I think, yeah, it was, uh, from 2007 to 2009 is when it ran. Um, but, uh, it culminated in the main character finding out that he can actually challenge the devil to a game to win his soul back. And he loses, but his girlfriend puts her soul on the line 
and he goes to play another game, and you're actually introduced to an angel for the first time in the series. And the angel sabotages his game, and she loses her soul to the devil as well. So there's this kind of build-up to them kind of being a couple and collecting souls. Um, you've got the introduction, the introduction of angels. Uh, demons were introduced in season at the end of season one and beginning of season two. Um, and there's just all this lore. Uh, they introduce Nephilim. Um, and there's just all this lore that they didn't do in the series. And it would, it drove, like, I remember, I remember it was the first time I had gotten Twitter and I was following Tyler Labine on every social media, partially because I'm a pervert, but also partially because I wanted to know what was going on with the show. Um, and it was supposed to get picked up as a comic book, but it never did. Um... And, oh, and those, for, uh, for those, I completely missed out, the main character is played by, uh, Brett Harrison, who, uh, he was in the, um, the remake of V, um, and he, he's, he's done bits and pieces here, he's, um, not a humongous actor, um, right now, he just does a lot of, uh, drama TV series, he was on The Ranch, um, which is a sitcom on Netflix. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it was, it broke my heart. I think, it, I think that was, the, I think that was the first time a show had been canceled and it had broken my heart. And I was like, I, I like didn't want to start another show for the longest time. Uh, did any of you guys watch it? Of course. <laughs> I, I'm glad you talked through a lot of it because honestly, it's been a while and I forgot. But I, I really appreciated the satirization of working at like a Home Depot or a big box. Yes. Uh, Chuck also in that kind of same time frame was doing that. And I really appreciated that. It, it kind of like what Superstore ended up doing for Walmart ish stores. Yep. Uh, this was doing it uh, back much earlier uh maybe not as focused on that element certainly more the supernatural but um it was a hilarious show and uh, yeah you're right totally totally a victim of that same era of uh of uh, of those greedy writers trying to get their uh their extra d- uh, dollar no i'm just kidding i i totally supported the writer strike and i'm i i'm just sad that there were you know casualties uh like this well but. i don't i don't think it i don't think it was a casualty from that i think it was it was it felt like more of a casualty it felt like it was on the wrong network to me um well, that's the cw or? it was it was it was the c it was the second supernatural like esque series on the cw and I think if you go back and look up their catalog, they really, honestly, Supernatural, Supernatural for what it was at the time, it was very gritty, very drama-oriented, and that's what the CW was. The CW was a very drama-oriented, not like, this was a straight-up, this was like a, what you'd call a horror comedy, but it was heavier on the comedy than the horror. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything else was like, like, uh, Supernatural's a drama horror. Um, I think there's a show called Privilege. That was a dramedy. Everything had some sort of essence of drama in it, and it, the essence of drama in, in Reaper is very diminished. Like, you know, there's characters hooking up and stuff, but it's not like, you know, the sole focus of more than maybe two episodes. Everything's really focused on Sam's relationship with the devil, which is 
So it was honestly, if you have, if you're listening, and you have not seen Reaper. I think it's still on Netflix. Um, I'm almost 100 percent sure it's still on Netflix. Um, but definitely do yourself a favor and and watch it. If you don't know who Ray Wise is, you will after watching like the first two episodes of this series because his his the devil's interaction with Sam makes the whole thing. Any other thoughts or things they want to add in about Reaper? I didn't watch it, so I sadly don't have uh, any anything to add to this part of the conversation. You get to see Tyler Labine in underwear, I know, in at least one or two episodes. So I know I knew the name sounded familiar, and uh, Eric's reaction, I was like, I know, I I feel like I've I've heard this name before, and then I realized, oh, he was in Escape Room. Well, he was in Escape Room, and he was in uh, the newer Voltron as Hunk. I would say he's not shirtless in, uh, as a voice actor. Right. No. If you ever saw Tucker and Dale versus the Forces of Evil, that's a fun no. one. <laughs> that's a great... You didn't see that? I thought we watched that. Mm-mm. Huh. That no. is a great movie. There's a sequel to it I never saw, uh, but uh, with uh, Adam Tudyk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. If you want, if you want a lot of him in the in a thing, <laughs> the Reaper, and then uh, that 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 series is. I is... mean, if you want Tyler Labine in overalls and redneckish and covered in blood, then yeah, definitely <laughs> see Tucker and Dale versus the Forces of Evil. It's it works definitely... for some people, I'm sure, in our audience more. It you know, works for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you was... mentioned Alan Alan Tudyk. Oh, y'all are just setting up my. Uh... My my show. Very I know well. we've been we've been we've been boosting your show like this entire episode. The cast the cast for mine is just littered throughout like everything that we've been talking about. And then and then you know and you know what would be great is if we just canceled this episode right here and right uh, now. And uh, then uh, never did another one ever. Be my my That's pick what is it feels like listen. We oh, do a no. Sopranos ending. Can we go out on um, <laughs> "Don't Stop Believing"? This is oh, this God, is what no. it feels like, listeners. It'll tie right back into uh, to uh, BJ's talking about Glee before we before we started recording. Oh, oh my God. Don't stop believing. Peter <laughs> <to> Black done. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, any last comments uh, or or chatter we want about Reaper? Before we close out and put that show to bed again one more last time. All right. Well, that is Reaper BJ's choice for a television show that ended too soon. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so <laughs> let's talk about mine. So really, there's only one other one that I want to uh, give a shout out to because we've mentioned so many amazing shows that ended um, so early and uh, a lot of them without proper closure because they thought they were going to get more time to be able to tell stories and they didn't. The <laughs> show that I want to give a, uh, a a shout out to that did end too soon um, was a show called True Calling. Um, I don't know if anybody else watched that. It was uh, done, I believe, shortly after the end of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I want to say it was like 2004, 2005, uh, around that time. And it starred uh, Eliza Dushku as a uh, a woman who was working at a morgue. Uh, it also was, I think, my earliest introduction to Zach Galifianakis before his uh, venture into uh, fame and stardom and uh, bare celebrity, uh, but as the um, uh, her boss in the show. And uh, it was done in such a way that it was very um, episodic. They, they did have an overarching plot, but it was very much formulaic. Like, something's going on, and then a dead person would uh, open their eyes... And look at True and tell her, uh, help me. And then her day would rewind. And she would Groundhog uh, Groundhog Day her way through and try to prevent that person from dying. But that is not the show that I wanted to uh, put my focus on. My, episode, or my show that I'm going to talk about is Dollhouse. Which also stars Eliza Dushku. Coming from uh, <laughs> Joss Whedon this time around. Uh, the story centers around Dushku as the character Echo, who is a quote-unquote doll. Maybe this is why I call most women dolls. Because usually when I'm talking to, like, anybody, I, I refer to I refer to them as doll. Not in, like, a, you know, <laughs> 50s sexist way, but I just, I don't know. I mean, Maybe I feel like calling them a doll in this way is worse. Yeah, it's just an empty <laughs> vessel. <laughs> Waiting to be filled with wisdom from some dude behind a computer? <laughs> no, I'd rather you call them doll like from the 1950s. <laughs> well, so... No! What we, what we eventually find out is that um, this dollhouse, this uh, corporation has enlisted... People who have a debt that they want to pay off or that they need to pay off or something in their past that they're trying to um, atone for or get rid of or they need money for a sick family member. Whatever the case is, this uh, affords them the opportunity to get that after the expiration of their contract. They sign away, let's say, five years of their life. Um, And what happens is their mind, their entire personality and memories and mind are backed up onto a hard drive and they are essentially wiped clean and uh, in their doll state are 
almost like childlike in nature. They're, like you said, empty vessels, kind of just uh, a, a tabula rasa, if you will, a clean slate, ready to be imprinted with whatever characteristics are needed for the engagement that they're going out on. So a lot of uh, what it centers around, especially in the first five or so episodes, it is that very episodic um, kind of episode of the week or, or adventure of the week type of thing where these high, uh, high dollar clients buy a doll for whatever adventure that they want to go on, whether it's uh, uh, motorcycle racing around Japan or to hunt them for sport because those things happen. But then uh, it eventually kind of takes on the turn of Echo kind of is this weird um, anomaly in the process. And she starts to retain bits and pieces of her imprints, even though they're supposed to be wiped clean every single time. Her brain is amassing more and more of this information and eventually uh, becoming an amalgamation. And they... It, it leads to uh, hijinks. Hijinks ensue. So they, uh, after, as, as with uh, True Calling and with some of uh, Joss Whedon's other properties, uh, including Firefly, the network, Fox, was not keen on doing long-form storytelling. They wanted episode of the week type of things. And um, that's why I say the first five episodes, because that's where Fox's... Uh, meddling took place was in the first five episodes of dollhouse after that they were able to kind of uh work it into being a more overarching plot and a more long-form storytelling which did wonders for the show it definitely gave it a whole different vibe and feel uh to everything um and the uh biggest thing that came out of that was or with echo being this anomaly was the uh, the mention of Alpha because all of these dolls are done uh, are named via military alphabet, so that's where their their doll code names come from. Um, and Alpha was the only other one to have this type of uh, amalgamation kind of event and uh, went on to uh, kill a lot of people and uh, escape. When they got around for season two, the show was going to be canceled. However, the coda to season one was this weird, uh, I think it was a five-year jump into this dystopian future that did not star, I don't, mm, did not star most of the cast, the regular cast. It was this whole different look and this whole different thing. And it was such, so it, the coda was so well received by Fox and because it was done on a shoestring budget, something Joss has done before, like when Angel was going to be canceled after season four. And um, he managed to convince uh, the network at the time to let him do the show on a quarter of the budget if they would let him do another season. It was the same thing with Dollhouse. He did this Coda episode uh, because the pilot was scrapped. They needed one more episode to fill out the order. So he did the coda on this shoestring budget, which then Fox turned around and said, okay, you get one more season to finish telling this story, which ended with the second half of the coda leading to an overall culmination of the show. 
Uh, it it definitely had its moments of um, just ridiculousness, but I loved it for that. <laughs> it was um, I I don't know. It just had so much like ridiculous, fun, like kind of nonsense story, and that's that's right at my wheelhouse. And honestly, when it comes down to it, you put Eliza Dushku in something, and I'm more than likely going to watch it. Because I do love me some Eliza Dushku. I sat in two and a half hours of traffic to get my picture taken with Eliza Dushku. This was before we realized the back way to go to the convention center for Megacon. And never sat in that traffic ever again. no. But but it was, uh, it's, I don't know. It, It... it was a very interesting show. It was an interesting premise. I liked it a lot. The uh, The cast was definitely um, the the highlight of it. They, it. Even though it was an Eliza Dushku vehicle, it very much lent itself to being an ensemble cast. Um, I'm going to mispronounce some of these names, I'm sure. Uh, but you had Daikin Lockman as Sierra. Uh, she's been in a couple of things more recently. Oh, wasn't she in uh, Agents, Agents of Shield as um, um, Sky's mom? Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yep, that is yep. Yep. exactly right. As uh, uh, oh Jesus, what was her name? Jayin something, something. Lin Jayin Jayin. Yeah, um, yeah. you have uh, Enver. Uh, oh God, I can never pronounce his last name. Uh, Gojka, who was Sousa in Agent Carter, and in uh, Oh, Shield. you're right. Oh my gosh, I didn't. Literally everything we've talked about <laughs> has led oh right back God, around. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, I think Alan, the only Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk was Alpha. Played Alpha, right? Yep, yep. Uh, oh I my feel God. like, but uh, Amy Acker from. Um, Fred. Angel. Fred, yes. Angel. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Fred she... slash Illyria. Yep. Uh, you have, um, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Summer Glau was in, uh, in oh the show God, as well. Oh my yeah. Alexis Denisov. didn't she come on to, didn't Summer, Summer... Glau pop up on the show in season two and that's when the curse started? What curse? We're like every sh- Every she every show she was on, oh yeah, would only that season would be its last season. She she started the curse with Firefly, I think. Yeah, and then she did the Sarah Connor Chronicles, right? Yeah, and then yeah. Dollhouse. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, the only thing with that is Dollhouse. I don't feel like should be included in that because they knew it was the last season. And Joss is if nothing if not loyal to the actors that he's worked with. So coming off of um, off of firefly you know having um alan tudyk from firefly having alexis denisoff and amy acker from um from angel and buffy um you know a a lot of these these character or these actors kind of have been absorbed into all of these different um series especially when when joss is involved but it, it definitely took on so many different like paths on how it went and as it continued on you got these these complex backstories for your supporting cast and it really became an ensemble vehicle especially as 
it grew into more long form storytelling. And I don't know. I, I, it's funny that this topic came up, uh, because I think maybe a day or two before I was looking at my bookshelf of my, um, my DVDs and my Blu-rays and I saw Dollhouse on my shelf and I was like, I really should watch this again because I, I miss it and I haven't seen it in a while. Um, and honestly, I love the theme song. It's one of the things that we haven't really talked about with a lot of our shows. Um, and especially because in the last maybe five or ten years, theme songs have gotten away from what they were in television shows. Um, even if it's yeah. just an instrumental uh, theme song, we don't really see it as much. I actually uh, was going through Hulu the other night. And White Collar came up, speaking of, I, I think I mentioned White Collar earlier uh, for one of the, the uh, actors we were talking about. And uh, seeing the opening credit scene was, I was like, wow, you really don't see that much anymore. Like there's a lot of shows don't focus on having opening credits. It's very much just here's the title card and here's a snippet of what our theme song actually is. Um, but the theme song for Dollhouse, it's an indie band. And it's so funny now because I'll actually go – if you go on Spotify, you can find openings for, like, all sorts of stuff. Like, I found the opening to Gravity Falls on there, and I'm like, I am going to favorite this oh, and yeah. listen to it. Like, you can you can actually – I think I found the opening – I found the opening to uh, The Good Place, just the little mm-hmm. instrumental – like oboe set i'm like it's just it's and it wasn't even a minute but i'm like i found i need this like it's just very weird how how we used to have actual theme songs or actual we used to have actual songs as opening themes i will never know the name of this song i always call it the the uh the the craft theme song because it was in the trailer uh but the opening to angel was was oh. an actual song that I will never I will never remember what that even remember what that song is called. I just know it's the opening for mate for Angel and like it was used in the craft. Yeah, well, the opening to Angel, the instrumental um they did a soundtrack release for it which included the um two versions of the opening. One was just like the the regular TV theme, and then they did an extended version of it, like with more instrumentation. It also features Christian Kane singing, um, I think, an original song of his that was in the show called "L.A. Song," which I fucking love. And then has, um, oh my goodness, his name is escaping me right now. Um, the guy who played Lorne, who passed away, it had him singing two songs uh, yes. from the show, like Holler. It. Andy Hallett? Hallett, Hallett, yes. Yeah. Um, singing It's Not Easy Being Green, and I, I forget which which the other <laughs> song was. But um, Jonatha Brooke is the, uh, the name of the artist. And um, What You Don't Know is the name of the song, which is the, um, the theme from Dollhouse. I bought it on iTunes because I fucking love the song. Uh, and a lot of times so, uh, shows that are out now that don't really uh, do a, a, an opening title sequence will have that full version out there. Like, uh, is it Bear McCreary is the composer who did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like, all of yes. their um, 
their theme music and everything and they all have yeah. you know full versions of these these uh these theme songs out there uh because yeah it's long gone are the days of um you know just sitting in front of your tv with uh with everybody and just singing along to the theme song to a show you know long gone are the and if you threw a party she invited <laughs> everyone you knew yeah those days are gone you know it's funny they're not gone though because like hbo shows have themed music and uh other um cable properties uh i'm trying to think of another good example but but certainly hbo like you know his dark materials has an amazing opening mandalorian, mandalorian yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely so so i think it, it, it did go away for a while and there are still types of shows that just eschew well, it because uh they want to have that oh, pulled open you oh know? my favorite uh they only they only played the opening once and it drove me crazy because honestly when i tell you this shit slaps so hard I risked a wreck on I-4 trying to play this shit on my phone. So uh, around every October, it's the opening to Scream Queens. Oh. They had a full fleshed out song, and it was so fucking good. And and then they played it for the first episode, and then they never played the, the full opening ever again. And I was like, what the fuck? This is the best opening I've ever heard in my life. Why is this not being played? Netflix and I think other streaming services, when they have that good opening, uh, and, and they'll, they'll skip it, you know, they'll, they'll let you skip it or whatever. They'll, they'll let you skip it now. Yeah, I, I a lot of times if I like it, I'm saying, no, I want to I hear this again. I love it, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. um, well, and I'll, I'll so make that a caveat then. The, the instrumental... Uh, themes for a lot of the streaming shows are still there because as soon as I was talking about it, Mando came up in my head because I hit you know skip intro, um, and it kind of takes a pause and then really if you skip it at the right point, you basically just stay on that Mandalorian screen. It doesn't go anywhere, and it just sounds like it's you know it hiccuped for a second and then it uh it carries on. Uh, but I'll then say this: for the most part. Long gone are the days of the catchy little ditties about Jack and Diane that opened up most television shows. You don't have those catchy theme songs lyrically where you're going to sit there. I didn't know Scream. I didn't watch Scream Queens, BJ, um, which others could probably say that would be a good uh, a choice for for a topic like this uh, as far as wanting it to come back where it ended too soon, but. Uh, for the most part, a lot of shows don't have that catchy jingle of a uh, of a lyric song to be put in there. You do get some of those that have the instrumental openings and some of those older instrumentals. BJ is absolutely right. Uh, Angel theme song, when those violins hit, oof, it, it, <laughs> it hits in such a way that it's like, okay, like it brings in that mood right there. So there are there there is still good theme music. I miss the days of uh, a good theme song that I could sing along to, especially back in the day when we were watching, you know, network television live where you couldn't just hit the little button that said, you know, skip intro. Uh, Did anybody else watch Dollhouse in the room? Oh, you know, I did. And I watched the first season. I don't think I made it all the way through. It's probably one of Whedon's most uh, succinct and I would say successful in certain respects. The thing I never really loved about it is I wanted, I mean, it's just the classic when you have, 
monster of the week versus mythology. I always wanted more of the mythology. I like the fa- the flash forwards that they did. I think they did one each season. Um, because like that, I think the the concept's interesting. But seeing that this seemingly like innocent, not innocent, but seemingly like, oh, well, it's fun. People can just have fun and, and use these whatevers to see the logical implications into the future and how it could be twisted into a an apocalyptic technology. <laughs> yeah. Like that was cool. Like that really worked for me. And that was the carrot for me, at least, to get into it. And so I think if he had more time to really get into that world like organically through storytelling, you know, long-term storytelling, I, I would have been more happy with the, the, the whole piece. But overall, I think it's still probably, like I said, one of Whedon's like most uh, distilled uh, TV projects. My thing. Uh, so what's funny is again, I feel like it's ahead of its time because it touched on that whole idea of for whatever reason, the dolls signed up to be a part of the program a good chunk of it, some of it has to do with redemption. They they either want to pay their dues, they either want to forget what happened, um, but, like, you have a handful of the dolls that, like, they feel like they did something terrible and they want to pay for it or they want to help somebody. So you have that whole idea of redemption through payment or through service, which again, I, it's a television idea that I don't, I feel like has been around, but like shows like The Good Place and, um, even the animated series coming up has been Hotel, um, the idea of making a positive change, but in a weird, like, sci-fi manner is something that we're seeing more of now because it was an idea that was only touched on back in like, you know, the early 2000s and 90s. Um, because, and it's, it's just interesting from a story standpoint. So it's, it's another one of those, it's another one of those things that I feel like if either a different showrunner took over or if, if maybe it was rebooted in a certain way or a soft, you could even, you could soft reboot something like this super easily. Um, just the way the narrative works. Um, I feel like it would have lasted longer. I mean, if it had debuted on a different network. Um, it definitely would have lasted longer, especially if it had debuted on, like, Sci-Fi Channel or streaming service now. Um, it's super interesting. So, I, I definitely, I liked it, and I definitely feel like out of all the stuff that we've talked about today, it had, it had a ending. Um, but I definitely would have liked to, I would have, I this is a concept I would like to have seen with as little manipulation from a network as possible i would have loved to have seen this like completely raw and in its own element like on hbo or something yeah and i mean the only good thing that came out of studio meddling was them having to scrap the pilot episode completely which i believe (laughs) is on the uh extras for the dvd and blu-ray uh release of season one they actually have the uh original pilot episode which has a lot of what you see in the first two episodes in it still, but because Fox did not want to engage in the lore versus having, you know, episode driven story uh, or episodic driven story, I guess I should say um, because that happened and they ended up scrapping one of the 13 episodes for the show. 
it led them to do the coda, which allowed them to have time to be able to, although rushed, and yeah, like you were saying, Brian, it would have been great to see it flesh out more organically. Um, it was nice to see kind of all of this stuff wrap up in such a way that it led, it, it felt like it led to the natural conclusion of the second half of this coda where you could see it happen in the, in the season versus, oh, okay, well, this is just kind of weird. Like, it's just this major jump without it feeling like it, it earned its way there. It would have been nice to see a couple more, even if it had gotten two more seasons, because it's only, I think, a five-year jump um, from the end of what we get to see as the quote-unquote main series versus the, the two codas. So if we had gotten maybe two more seasons to flesh out a little bit more of this utilizing um, long-range wiping or remote wiping, as they, uh, they, they think they call it in the series, um, which leads to this dystopian, apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, vision of the future with this technology being utilized in, in the, the wrong hands. Eric, you said you watched the first season only? What did you think of uh, season one? I enjoyed it. Um, I got a little bit of alias feel from it. Just in the fact that the main character learns out that the organization they're working for is kind of nefarious. And then kind of has to work against them covertly. I didn't but... know Jessica Jones had uh, had that kind of storyline. <laughs> <laughs> wrong alias wrong alias wrong alias damn it dollhouse was missing victor garber though if they had had victor garber i think they would have gone as long as alias did and uh yeah and, and why is that because he's sinfully delicious <laughs> <laughs> i still miss him from legends uh, oh yeah, gone before his time. Talking about gone before their time, he left I, that show too damn early. I do love the fact. I was like, the show's that... still the show's still filming. <laughs> no, no, the show is, but he's not on the show, and that's the sure. that's I the tragedy. I do love the fact that he played um, in the musical episode of uh, the Flash. He played the weird, the weird, di- the different dimension that uh, Kara and Barry get flung into. Um, him and the actor that plays uh, Detective West, they play Iris's two gay dads in that yes. weird universe. And I completely forgot that uh, that actor was in Rent, the film, and I think he was in Rent on stage. I completely uh, forgot that Detective yeah. West was uh, yeah. in Rent. I completely uh, forgot. You've obviously never talked to Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse L. Martin, come on. We missed We've mentioned it before on the show, but I always, on honestly, every time I either listen to a song for Rent from Rent or I see that actor, I'm like, oh my god, that's right, <laughs> he was in Rent and he played Iris's gay dad in a weird episode of The Flash. Joe West. Every time, uh, like there was a shootout, like right when this, like in season one. And uh, I swear I was waiting for the day that he would turn around and just go, you go that way and I'll cover you. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> oh, oh, not you go that way, and I'll open up a restaurant in Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. That, I mean, wow, we really are gay nerds. We really are gay nerds. Good uh, lord. Yep. Oh, and for those of you, uh, for those of you um, that are listening that aren't on our Discord, uh, we did post the openings to Scream Queens and uh, Dollhouse in our music channel on Discord. Ooh, look at y'all! Look at you go so quickly with that. Good, because I, now I want to listen to um, uh, what you don't know. Uh, after we get off this recording, I'm totally putting it on. Uh, totally putting <laughs> it on and blasting it. I'm gonna see if I can shazam some of these songs and find Girl, them is on that Spotify. still a thing? Is that it still is, a thing? It yeah. is, and it has saved my sanity. So therefore, it has saved all of you. Because when I tell you there, there are, uh, I may have to do an episode on this, but there are video game songs that I didn't know were actual tracks for a soundtrack. And I have, when I tell you I have been finding the most obscure, weirdest shit this week, and Shazam has saved my life on it. I'm not even going to lie. See, I don't use Shazam anymore, but Google, uh, if you open up uh, the Google app, or like you know, the Google search bar, uh, where you would normally do like the, the uh, hit the microphone to do talk to text, if you hit that and you put it near music, a little music note pops up and it'll do the same thing as Shazam. Oh, so. You don't even have to do that if for some reason, and maybe this is just on Pixel phones, you just have it sitting there and you hear a song or a song comes on and it recognizes it. You'll see it on the bottom as a scroll. And this is a great feature until you're playing music trivia. <laughs> and you realize looking down that you can you're cheat. Cheating. Well, cheating. This is, listen, Brian. this has been a really hard Right. Like, like I have to turn my phone upside down then, and then like ignore it, which is, right. which is, which is how you should be playing trivia. Which is how you're supposed to be playing trivia. Yeah, I know. that is I know. negative yes. twenty points. Negative Listen, I'm just saying points. it's happened. I didn't say Look, I used it. Straight to the bad place. <laughs> I was like, BJ can tell you. BJ knows how many times at fucking Waterford Lakes at um, what's that place? Um, oh, Gators. Gators. We oh, have fucking yelled across the table to be like, put your phone away, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, he's Adam. Gonna, he's the one. He, he's the one. He's the one. I'm going to be like. I talk shit about you in our podcast, but I suggest, suggest you listen. You listen to every episode to see where I talk shit about you. That's how I get listeners. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, if you are listening to this and you are interested in uh, my interview series, which we have now called the Rainbow Spotlight. Uh, and I have totally uh, owned that, rebranded that. Uh, we're going to try to push that. Uh, Terry Bloss uh, of of queer cartooning fame is going to be my guest. Oh, my God. I love Terry Bloss. You're, I, you're more than welcome to join us. It's uh, Mondays at 9 o'clock Eastern. Ooh. Uh, and that'll be the last one for the year. And then I have already lined up at least three or four uh, for January. And I'm very excited uh, I'm working on one that I haven't that I, I will reveal once I confirm, but um, it's going to be a, a weekly. It's it's been kind of weekly-ish lately, but yeah, weekly series. And then we're putting these audio. Uh, Pat's taking these, and we're putting these out as audio uh, entries uh, for the podcast. Uh, you know, eventually. So, yeah, too, uh, but you can catch them live so on our far. on our. Yeah, uh, and and they're great ones uh, with Cena Grace and uh, Andy Mangles. Uh, but uh, there's a ton more coming. 
Uh, but you can also go watch them now on our YouTube channel. So if you have not seen our YouTube channel, they are all there live uh, at the time and then up afterwards to watch and Facebook as well. Uh, I love it. I love it. I I may have to join you for the Terry Bloss one because he is a an absolute sweetheart, fantastic artist. Um, purchased some stuff from him at DragCon when I met him uh, probably about four years ago now. Uh, he was a guest on Casa Coco, um, on one of the first couple of Casa Cocos that, uh, uh, Coco Peru did, um, and is just an all around great guy and a flame on listener. And I, that was probably one of the first times where I talked to, uh, a creator and was kind of taken aback and was like, oh my God, people do listen. <laughs> and, uh, what? He, you know me? Hey, well, exactly. That's kind of how it was. I was like, hey, you know, we're <laughs> a Game Geeky podcast called Flame On. And he's like, oh, Flame On? I listen to that while I'm drawing. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Eric, my Eric, mind. Eric, do you have these moments? No. What? <laughs> I don't have these moments. In fact, I always, the mo- only moment I get is, oh, that's right. You are in a podcast. I never hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> But somehow you still aren't listening. Like, you have these nice, you have these nice creator exchanges, and Brian's like all these nice interviews, and I'm like, listen here, you motherfuckers, I'm gonna talk about you, I'm gonna talk shit about you, and you have to listen. I've already they- told Adam that you did, so you just you're set up now. Good. Oh, Leave a review. It. I love it. But uh, definitely check out our uh, YouTube channel for. Uh, for past episodes of the Rainbow Spotlight, uh, yep, stole that right out from uh, from Willem in Alaska and Ray Chaser and Hot Goss. That's where it came from. Oh my god, yeah. I completely forgot. Oh my god, exactly. Oh, well. Yeah, An imitation um, is the sincerest form of flattery. So there you go. Exactly, exactly. As uh, <laughs> as every Drag Race podcast review podcast says, they're the only Drag Race review podcast out there. <laughs> uh so the rainbow spotlight uh will just be you know we're the only ones doing this sure mm-hmm. the uh quote-unquote only ones uh, but yeah check those out and um i do want to segue from that into i was so i fell down on my job when we did our last roundup uh, because because we are going to be pausing um payments or you know utilizing um patreon as uh in, in for the most part in 2021 or at least the beginning of 2021 as we just kind of reorganize and figure stuff out 2020 has been a hell of a year uh for a lot of reasons not the least of which being uh the pandemic we're still in but uh trying to get everybody organized being in in multiple places has been a bit tougher this year because of that uh you figure because most of us are kind of homebound uh at a lot of times it would be easier but it's not we still got to try to make a living and uh and, and keep money coming in uh our pockets personally but um we did have a new patron join on uh, just before we did our roundup and i missed out on giving him his proper shout out um so i'm going to shout him out here and then we'll do the proper shout out in uh on the roundup for the next uh the next time that we all gather uh in a couple of weeks but I do want to uh, say a big howdy to Sean T. Red. Sean Red, what's up? Thank you for joining on our Patreon. I am sorry 
that we are so far behind. Um, we are working on getting all of our stuff put together and uh, getting our shit together and getting all of uh, our Patreon stuff uh, up and running. And uh, we're still going to be putting out content for that. And um, we uh, we will be caught up on that very soon. So hopefully uh, within the next maybe two or three weeks, we'll at least be a lot closer. I'm not going to guarantee that we're going to get, you know, uh, a whole bunch of uh, get all of our micro micros up uh, in the next two weeks. But we're going to start getting those uh, uh, pulled together and get our Patreon content uh, back up to where it should be. And uh, yeah, my sincerest apologies to all of our patrons out there. Um if you would like to join on before the end of the year and uh, access our Patreon ex- exclusive content, head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show um, and join on. But, uh, but a huge thank you to Sean for joining on as a patron um, uh, middle of November last, uh, last month. So thank you for that. Um, Brian's got his rainbow spotlight. Uh, Eric, have you been gaming on Twitch? Uh, not as of yet. Not as of yet. All right, that's still coming. What's your What's your Twitch handle so we can get you some uh, some Twitch uh, followers as you get ready to venture into the world of online gaming? Uh, it's generic G E N E R I K underscore games. Generic games. Oh, generic I thought you had that other games. one. So you have you have two Twitch handles. You you naughty Twitcher. I do, but I can't. This new one is better for branding. I feel. Oh. Yeah, obvi. Uh, I like it. I the, like um, it for Twitch. If we're talking Twitch promo, let me just say, Eric, I, I am gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna subtly nudge him to do some more Twitching because uh, I think we can take over Twitch very quickly. Uh, I've been doing Japanese lessons for anyone who wants to learn Japanese with me. Uh, I've been playing these games, and I need to, Pat, I need to send you these. You'll, you'll enjoy these. They're uh, RPG kanji kiragana katakana learning games and they're on steam and they're they're really cheap uh and so i've been playing those online and doing my japanese vocab with wanikani so if you like japanese interested in the language uh curling bear is my twitch handle and i'm also doing the rainbow spotlight up on that channel because we don't have a flame on twitch dedicated yet um so uh, <laughs> we all have yeah, our individual should, uh, ones and i feel like it's it'd be tough to go back and like rebuild another twitch channel yeah <laughs> it's possible but uh, i'm on the road to affiliates i'm trying to get to 50 so if anyone out there is a twitch uh, user and wants to throw me some love uh it unlocks new features if you're not aware of how twitch works and it's kind of obnoxious but uh curling bear is my twitch handle and uh, i do content like a couple times a week i was gonna say i even have a twitch account but i've literally never logged into it once so (laughs) well you need to log into it at least once and follow all the rest of us to uh to help us gain our followers. I literally just I literally just logged into it so I could do that. Yeah, and then also Pat uh from Bears in the City uh hosts his weekly trivia and game sorry, not trivia, game night. Uh I, I wish there was more trivia. I mean there's some trivia with murder trivia party, right? But um uh that's on what, Wednesdays, uh usually six o'clock. Wednesday uh, nights, eight PM Eastern, seven PM Central uh, so that's five o'clock Pacific. Oh, yeah, gosh, and that's twitch.tv slash bears in the city. So you got uh, bears uh, twitch.tv slash bears in the city, twitch.tv g e n e r i k underscore g a m e s generic games underscore games, twitch.tv forward slash curling bear. If you would like to 
follow us along. Um, I wish there was a way to like do an umbrella channel that like had all of us on it, so we could do flame on and then like have all of our separate ones underneath there, and make it. There actually is, well, I think, and I don't know if you, Eric, you may know more. There's like a teams you can actually like uh, have like a team of Twitchers, so we could do team flame on and bring us all under that same umbrella. Oh, I like that. So we'll to, I like that. We'll have to figure that out then. Okay. There you I'll, go. I'll and then that way we can uh, we can do all of our individual things and still do play on stuff under there and and all that. But uh, that I think will wrap up our uh, microsode as we've been chatting. This was a lovely uh, a lovely chat. Our two hour microsode. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh, when we get. When we get going on a good topic, that's you know. Thank you to BJ for coming up with this topic. Um, oh no, this is a full blown series now. I'm, I'm declaring this a series, and because this was, like I said, this was cathartic. I feel like I feel like we've had so many aha moments in this just this one episode that we need to do this again so that way we can get all of our all of our um, I don't know television blue balls off our chest. I already have three more lined up. For... Yeah, I've I've got a I've got a bunch already. So yeah, I was like, I've, I, I I I declare this a series. I've I've got my homework yeah, yeah. to do then. All right, well, we thank you all for hanging out with us on uh, on this as we chat about this topic of shows that ended too early. We'll be back in two weeks with another uh, roundup of uh, pop culture topics, and uh, yeah, check us out online flameonshow.com. That has all of our social media there. Check out the Rainbow Spotlight on Mondays with Brian on um, the Flame on YouTube account and twitch.tv forward slash curling bear. And yeah, we'll see y'all in Dose Weeks for a little more Flame on. Closing out 2020 in the year that was. Bye. Bye, bitches. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.